If you have teenagers, you know exactly what that feels like. When I was a kid, um, we lived for a few years way out in the boonies in Oregon. And my dad actually worked at a logging mill and we lived in the little kind of tiny logging town that was just a couple hundred people that only existed because that logging mill was there. And I actually looked it up this week and it's a huge town of 710 people now. Like it has just exploded. In 42 years, it has grown by 500 people, you guys. I mean, it is it's the next biggest thing in Oregon, I think. Uh, surprisingly though, when I looked at the demographic information, it was still 100% Caucasian. It's just totally white, which is a shocking lack of diversity in the middle of Oregon. But um, when we were living there, after we'd been there a while, I guess my parents just couldn't handle how crowded it was because we moved outside of the town, out onto some property that was just out in the middle of nowhere. It was like, literally, we're like, nobody owns this. We're just going to go put a house over here and just live right here. And so there, there was just like a little dirt road that just shot back off the highway a little ways through the trees and then opened into this clearing. And then there was our little house. And there were forests and wooded areas sort of all around and I, I've always, uh, my personality is I, I love to explore. And even when we travel now and we go to new places and we travel to China in 2013 to get our son, like our, our guides were like, don't go anywhere without us. And then he leaves. I'm like, let's go. You know, and we just go out and just, because I, I love exploring. And, and I remember as a kid, uh, sometimes going with my brothers into the woods and I was, you know, maybe only five or six years old at this time. And, and looking back, we probably didn't go far, but it felt like we just went really deep into the forest. Like we were just way out there and we would play and play hide and seek. And, and, and one of the things I remember about those experiences is that the woods have a sound that's kind of all their own. Like, like you can often hear things walking and moving that you can't see when you're in the forest. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's a little bit unnerving because you're just like, some following me, something like right next to me. Uh, and, and, and I remember this one time, and I remember just how disorienting it could be, right? To be out there by yourself. And, and so my, my brothers would run off and hide and, and to be searching for my brothers or, or my sister as they were hiding. And one of them be like, I'm over here, I'm over here. And, and not being able to identify like which direction their voice was coming from. Like, like it felt like their voice was coming at me from 360 degrees. And I, I couldn't figure out if it was coming from behind me or in front of me or from my right or left. And, and, and honestly, when you're, when you're in the forest, it's all fun and fine until you feel like you might not be able to find your way out of that place that you kind of so innocently just kind of wandered into and just had fun, right? And, and so I remember going from kind of happily exploring one minute to desperately searching for the way back and just searching for something that I recognized and somebody I knew and somebody that I was related to, somebody that could help me. And, and I, honestly, I, I think sometimes life is a little bit like that, like, like where you go from sort of happily exploring, enjoying your life one minute to kind of desperately searching for the way back to where you were, or, or maybe more importantly, searching for a way forward and how you move forward in your life. And so we've been in this series all month that's about listening. And one of the things that I think is so challenging in this conversation is that we all have moments where we're straining to listen, but we still can't hear, right? Like, like we're trying, we're, we're sort of tuned in. We're trying to be able to listen for what, we need, for what we need to hear, for the direction and the voice that we need to hear. But we just, we can't 
seem to figure it out. For so much of our lives, there's so much noise and there's so many voices and we're trying to listen, but we just can't seem to hear that one voice or that one direction that we need that will, that will push us forward, that will guide us through the thing that we're going through. Most of, most of us actually break down into one of two categories in the way that we learn. There are visual learners. Anybody a visual learner? Like you need to see it in order to process that information and sort of grab onto it. You need to see that info. You need pictures and graphs and charts. You need the visuals. And then there's others of us that are auditory learners. Anybody kind of an auditory learner? Yeah, that's the way I am. Like we need to hear it. We need to kind of talk it out. We need to have somebody talk, talk us through it. We need the sounds. And, and, and one of the things I've noticed is that when you become a follower of Jesus, and if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're super stoked that you're here. In fact, that's why our church exists. But, but for those of you that, that have kind of grown up in church or you've become a follower of Jesus, it is one of the things I've noticed is there's this dynamic that kind of pushes us to become visual learners. And, and maybe some of it is cultural for us, especially in our culture, because we live in a visually driven culture. But when you think about it, the way we interact with the scriptures is very visual, right? We're, we, we, we come to faith and we get a Bible and we're told to read it and dive into it and meditate on it and take notes and write down our thoughts and applications. And we come to church and there's videos and there's slides and we take pictures of those things. And we're, we're kind of just looking and we have all of this visual interaction, and all of it's awesome, honestly. But when you begin to read the scriptures, you start to realize that God isn't trying to kind of heighten or sharpen your visual skills. He's actually trying to heighten your auditory learning. Like God isn't necessarily trying to help you see better. He, he's trying to help you hear better. Because in the end, what we see in the scriptures it isn't what's going to help you navigate or add to your life. What you see isn't how you're gonna figure out where God is guiding you and leading you. What, what we learn when we go to the scriptures is that what you see in the scriptures is incredibly valuable, but the aim of the scriptures is to actually help us learn to hear God's voice. Because learning to identify God's voice from all of the other voices in your life is actually what will end up changing your life. Because if you're lost in the woods, if you're lost in a place in your life, God's not going to give you a written map that shows you the way out. But he will come to you and call your name and teach you how to listen and how to follow the sound of his voice as he leads you and directs you where you need to go. Throughout the whole of scripture, there's this incredible, overwhelming emphasis on the power of God's voice, of God speaking. From the very beginning, the opening scenes of, the, of creation in Genesis, where God is speaking and he's speaking things into existence, right? To the final scenes in the book of Revelation, there's, a, there's this incredible relationship between the word of God, between the, the voice of God, between God speaking and life. And the problem is like, we actually have all kinds of voices in our heads, right? Like, have you ever caught someone talking to themselves? Have you ever caught yourself talking to yourself? So we have, we have four kids and our oldest son is getting ready to turn 20 and Hansi's actually flying to, to uh, Arizona this week to spend a few days with him and try to teach him how to cook. Um, like we taught him some things, but she's trying to like help him step his game up because um, he's like, this is... We're like, hey, next, next semester, no more meal plan, bud. Like, you got to, like, learn how to feed yourself. You know, it's not real life that there's this place that has unlimited food that you can go anytime you want and, you know, figure it out. But she's going to visit him. But when he was little, 
Um, and he finally reached that age where he started caring about his appearance and he started caring about his hair. And he, was, he took so much time like crafting and, and you know, quaffing his hair just perfect. And, and there were so many times where I would like walk by the bathroom and I could just hear him. Like he'd be standing there looking in the mirror and just talking to himself like, yeah, looking good. Just, you know, it's like, what, what are you doing? Like, you weirdo. Like, no. And the truth is like, we all kind of talk to ourselves constantly, right? We, we argue with ourselves about what's right and what's wrong. We, we rehearse arguments. Have you ever done that? We're like, I'm going into this conversation and I'm going to make this point and that point and then this thing. You know, you're just like going through the whole thing. We assign blame. We justify or we judge our own actions. Like, like sometimes the voices in our heads are, are encouraging and caring, but more often they're actually discouraging and defeating and demeaning. And, and the truth is if we were being real honest, for some of us, the voices that are going on inside of our soul are so dark. Like it, it's actually a problem because it's, it, it's causing us to move in ways and do things in our life that are destructive. But so how, how do we know which one is us, right? Or are all of them us? Is one of them God? And if so, how do you know which one? How, how do we learn to hear God's voice and internalize it? How do we do that? Well, there's a story of a boy named Samuel in the Old Testament that, that I think kind of helps illustrate some of this that we're going to use as a jumping off point. Uh, and so if you have a Bible and you want to open it, I know it's so old-fashioned to carry an actual physical Bible, but if you have one, we're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you don't, all the scriptures are going to be on the screen. Uh, you can just follow along there or look at your Bible app or what, however you want to do it. Um, but here, here's what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. So this is kind of the setup for us. So a little bit of context for this story, Eli he was the high priest in, in Israel and the, for the people of God. The tabernacle was the place of worship, the place of sacrifice. And the Ark of the Covenant was the physical representation, the physical symbol of the presence of God. I think one of the things that's interesting about this story is it says that messages from God were rare in those days. But what's interesting is that it, it wasn't that God wasn't speaking it wasn't that God had somehow gone silent. It's that no one was actually listening. It's that God was speaking and the reason why there were no messages coming through is because nobody was listening. See, I think this is one of the most comforting and frightening realities. One of the most incredible thoughts from the scriptures is this, is that God is speaking and that he's talking to you and to me. And before we get too far into the story and kind of unpack some other things, I think it's important for us to start here because it's easy for those of us who were brought up in church or you were brought up with the scriptures to miss just how extraordinary this is, that the God of the universe is actually speaking, that he's talking, that the creator of the cosmos is communicating with us and he's speaking to you and he's speaking to me. See, if when you read the scriptures, what you actually begin to pick up is that a conversation with God is supposed to be the natural order of things. That there's supposed to be this ongoing conversation with your creator. 
And in fact, if you stop and think about it for just a second, the, the reason why we would even consider that there's a book like the Bible that is a vehicle through which God communicates to us is because of this basic framework that God created us for conversation with him. See, God is speaking. And, and, and when we look at the story, God speaking to humanity isn't rare. It's not the exception to the rule. It's what he's been doing from the beginning, but people listening, that's actually what's rare. So the story continues. Verse four says this, says, suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? And he got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. And the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel, anybody ever had, like my kids have had all kinds of excuses to get out of bed, but hearing from God is not one of them. They've never been like, did you call me, dad? Because I think God was calling. Like, go back to bed. No, it's usually like, I'm thirsty. I got to go to the bathroom. Just go to bed. All right, verse 7. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So part, part of this story, and this, this is the part of the story that's just really encouraging to me. Because oftentimes, like when we, when we think about the Bible or we think about the people of the Bible, we often have these pictures about people in the Bible and, and how in tune with God they were. And, and, but in this story, even the high priest is kind of clueless. Like he, he doesn't know that God is speaking to this child, Right. And the truth is, like, when I think about my life and trying to follow Jesus and, and trying to, like, figure out what God is saying and, and try to listen for his voice, like, it has kind of felt a little bit like this story. Like, wait, what? Like, was that you, God? No, I, I don't know. Am I supposed to go over there? I, I, I don't know. Did I, did I really hear something? I don't, I don't know. Eh, I'm just going to go back to bed. Like, like, like that, that feels like what it has been like to try to follow God and listen for his voice and, 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 and tune into what he's saying. Also, when we read this story, some of the ideas kind of get lost as they're translated from the original text into English. And, and, and the phrase that, that, that Samuel had never had a message from the Lord before, like, like the wording, the original language actually there just means that, that there had never been, that for him, there'd never been, it'd never been uncovered or exposed or he'd never been made aware. In other words, it's again, it's not that God hadn't been there with him. It's not that God hadn't spoken to him before. It's that he hadn't learned how to tune his heart to God's frequency to hear what God was saying to him. Also, I just love that this story involves a kid because sometimes we kind of write off children thinking like they don't know, they can't hear or discern the voice of God. They don't know what God is saying. But in this story, this kid is more in tune than all of the adults, including the priest. Now, one of the big questions that comes up when we read this story, obviously, and maybe you're wondering, is like, okay, so was this an audible voice? Maybe, honestly, like we don't know. It doesn't say whether it is or not. And it kind of seems from the way that the story is written that it was. But, but the truth is, is that God speaks to us in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes through our circumstances, sometimes through gut feelings, sometimes through music or nature, sometimes through an internal voice or a conversation with other people, most definitely through the scriptures. But, but here's what we know from the scriptures is that God and what he's saying is best revealed in the person of Jesus. 
So if you're wondering, how do you sort through all of that stuff? How do you know if that gut feeling is God? Like, how do you know if that's the voice of God? How do I tune my heart to God's frequency? Well, the basic filter is this. God will never say anything that contradicts Jesus. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. It says, in the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. So he actually uses the phrase, in the past, in many times and in various ways. And what he's saying is like, God has been like intentionally been very like inventive and creative and determined to get our attention. And so he's spoken through prophets and dreams and visions and poetry and songs and creation and signs and wonders and through the conscience and still small voices and fire and bushes that are on fire and miracles and all this, you know, donkeys talk, all this stuff that God has been incredibly creative and inventive in the way that he's tried to talk to us. But now, if you want to know what he's trying to say to you, you don't have to be like, I don't know, is that bush on fire? Did that dog just say something to me? Did I just hear a voice during that song? I don't know. No, you don't have to wonder what he's trying to say to you. If you want to learn to hear his voice, you need to learn to listen to Jesus. So after several trips by Samuel to see Eli, Eli finally clues in to what's happening. And so here's what happens next in verses 8 and 9. It says, so the Lord called a third time, which I, by the way, I just love. See, God is incredibly persistent. He calls to him once. He doesn't hear. He doesn't get it. Calls to him again. He doesn't hear. He doesn't get it. God's like, I'm, I'm not giving up. I want to have a conversation with you. And so God calls to him a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. And he said, here I am. Did you call me? And it was then that Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And so he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And so Samuel went back to bed. So I I love this because the truth is, is we all have to learn. We all have to be taught how to interpret what we're experiencing, what's going on inside of us, what it's doing to us what those voices are, who is speaking, what it means, if it's healthy, how do we move forward? What do we do about it? See, because I I don't know what your experience is like. I I came to faith, I was raised in church, but I I came to faith when I was in junior high school and and have been on this lifelong journey of trying to listen for God's voice and follow Jesus and and figure it out. And, And sometimes I've had experiences that I thought were God, but it was just that I ate too much pizza before bed. Like sometimes we feel guilty because we've done something that's violated the heart of God and he's convicting us. And honestly, sometimes we feel guilty because the voice in our head accuses us and attacks us even when we haven't done anything wrong. Sometimes God is speaking to us in our nerves and our stomach ache. And sometimes we just overate. Right? The, the problem for us is that often like we don't know how to sift through what's happening, what we're experiencing, and how to interpret it. Or, or just do we just avoid it altogether? Does it mean anything at all? 
See, the truth is I think a lot of us keep ourselves and our lives sort of filled with constant activity and busyness and noise to just avoid addressing our thinking and those voices and the impact that it's having. So initially, Eli's like, hey man, like I feel like he's kind of like, I just imagine him as being the old guy and it's a kid. It's like, all right, look, the tabernacle can be intimidating. You're probably just hearing stuff or seeing shadows that are being cast or, you know, whatever. But then after it keeps happening, he, he kind of clues in. He's like, oh, okay. All right, let, let's, let's follow that. Maybe God is trying to reveal something or say, say something to you. If you go back and actually read a, a little bit of the, the context before this moment and read some of Eli's story sometime, you, you'd see that he's an incredibly flawed person. He's an incredibly flawed man, especially for the priest of God's people. And part of it was because he had sons and they were just out of control and they leveraged his position to take advantage of people and do whatever they wanted and to sleep with women at the tabernacle and do all kinds of crazy stuff, all kinds of evil stuff. And he just refused to do anything about it. And so for him, there's a little bit of redemption in his relationship with Samuel. Because this is such a pivotal moment when you think about it for Samuel as, as, as a kid, especially it, like in so many ways, because the external voices from our childhood actually become so often become our internal voice as an adult. See, I, I think how Eli, like Eli could have handled this in a situation, this situation in a way that would have kept, not only kept Samuel from hearing God's voice, but may have set him back for a huge chunk of his life. Most of the time, and maybe you've experienced this as well, the voices inside of us are not the problem. It's, it's where they came from that's the problem. Because the people are gone, but the voices have stayed. Have you noticed that? Like the voice just sticks with us over the course of our life. That thing that your teacher said when you were a kid, you can hear as loud and clear today as the day they said it or that moment that you had with your coach or that family member or relative, for better or for worse, their voices stick with us. When I was a kid, we um, went and visited some family and uh, I was meeting a, a family member, a distant family member for the first time. And I was about 12 years old and he was an adult, had a family. And, um, and right from the beginning, like I just, it, I just did not like this guy. He was rude and mean and sarcastic and he was mean to his family and he was mean to all the kids and we ended up going out together with a bunch of kids and it was just him and like and there were things that he said and ways that he spoke to me and to, that, that I can hear his voice and I can feel the emotion and I can feel those experiences as real today as they were when they happened 35 years ago and and, and the flip is the flip side's true as well I had a teacher in high school when I was a sophomore. Uh, she was my um, sophomore English teacher. And she, I have to be honest, she was not a favorite teacher. Uh, she was really hard. She graded really hard. And in fact, um, when it came time at semester, I had a 92 in her class. And she sat down with me and she said, I'm giving you a B plus because you can do better. And I was so angry and I was so mad. And then she spent about 20 minutes telling me what an incredible writer I was and showing me on the things that I had written. She's like, you don't understand how easily this comes for you. 
I want you to do better. I actually, um, a couple years later, had her as a senior. She was a speech teacher. And there was only about, I don't know, 10 or 12 students in her class. And I was sitting with a group of students in the back of the classroom. We were all supposed to be working on our speeches. And we can work on them as a group. And she was sitting at her desk. And she, was, she had her head down and was just writing. And I didn't think she was listening at all. Nobody thought she was paying any attention. And um, as happens in those sort of free-form, free-flowing classes, especially with seniors in the second half of their senior year. Uh, there's not a lot of work being done, and there's a lot of conversation and a lot of joking around and stories being told. And I was a part of this group. And, and, and the, the guys I was with started saying some stupid stuff and some inappropriate stuff. And so um, I, I didn't really think about it. I just kind of like scoot my, I just scooted away from them, moved my desk over and just kept kind of working on my speech. And not because I was a great student, but I just hated homework. And so I was just like, I was that kid that was like, don't talk to me. It's like, it's like they dared me to try to get all my work done before I leave this class and I'm gonna do it. And so I was just working. And so I scooted away from them and nobody thought she was paying attention. And without looking up, she said, Mr. Sherwood, that was character. And it will take you far in life. And it just, it literally stopped me. Because nobody in my life, as a senior, nobody had ever looked at me and said, that, that right there, that was character. Follow that. Listen to that. Pull on that string. And it will always serve you. I, I, I can feel it and hear it today as real as it was 30 years ago when it happened. See, voices, they stick with us, right? And here's the reality. How you talk to yourself, the voices that, that resonate inside of you, they will determine what you hear from other people because that becomes the filter, right? Whether or not you're sensitive to, to criticism or to feedback might very well depend on if you just had somebody who was in your life when you were young who was super critical. But, but it's also going to determine, in large part, whether or not you will actually be able to hear what God is saying to you when he speaks. Jesus explained it this way in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, he's saying, look, there's a thief that's trying to steal your life, but God's intention for you, God's heart for you is life which is honestly important information, right? I mean, if someone is plotting to rob you or worse, if someone is plotting to kill you, you do everything in your power to protect yourself. So, so what do we do about this thief and how do we tap into and experience the life that God created for us and that Jesus came to bring us? Well, Jesus actually gives us the answer a few verses earlier using the metaphor of sheep. And this is what he says in John chapter 10, but in verse two. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So he's speaking about, by, about himself. In verse four, he says, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep, that's us, follow him because they know his voice. And then in verse eight, he talks about the thief. He says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, robbers but the sheep have not listened to them. So the thieves and the robbers are speaking too. See, it all comes down to the voices and who you're listening to. You were created to resonate with the voice of God. 
But the way that the thief comes to steal your life is through the voices that get into your soul, through the voices that you internalize and that you listen to in your life. Voices telling you who you're not and what you're not and what can't happen in your life. But Jesus brings us life by being the voice that speaks into our souls, by telling you who you are and what you were created for and that anything is possible with God. Jesus came to silence all of the voices that steal your life, that rob from you, that are there to destroy you and make you less. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, this guy named Paul, the apostle that traveled around after Jesus ascended into heaven, starting churches all over the Mediterranean rim and then writing letters back to those churches. And, and he wrote two letters to a church in a town called Corinth. And this is the second one. And in chapter 10, verse five, he says this, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension, every claim that sets itself up against the knowledge or the voice of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, there's, there's a voice that comes to you as you pretending to be the voice of truth. And its arguments are persuasive, but in the end, it's not the voice of God. In fact, its intention is the exact opposite. And I think what part of what the Apostle Paul is saying is that every thought you have is obedient to some inner voice. It's coming from somewhere. And you have to actually do the work of making the, the voice that your thoughts are obedient to be the voice of God, the voice of God. Of life. Can we just, just imagine if you began seeing everything in your life through the lens of what God has said to you and about you? If you began interpreting everything anyone else says to or about you through what God has already said to or about you? Think about how much less insecure you'd be, how much less defensive you'd be, how much less angry you'd be, how much less lost you'd be, and how that would change how you would experience everyone and everything else. And your life. See, when you start listening to the voice of God, you stop saying things to yourself that Jesus would never say to you. See, the truth is, is most of us speak to ourselves in a way that we would just fall all over ourselves, embarrassed, apologizing if we spoke to other people that way. And certainly God would never speak to you in that voice, in that way. When you start listening to the voice of God, you stop saying things to yourself that Jesus wouldn't say to you. So you, you want to have healthier relationships? You want to spend less time chasing your tail? You want to begin experiencing life that's truly life, the life that Jesus was talking about in John 10? Begin listening for God's voice and regularly inviting him to direct that inner dialogue that's always going on. Internalize God's voice, the only voice that can bring you life. And when he speaks, listen and follow him. So God ends up speaking a fourth time to Samuel. In Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel, and this time he says his name twice, Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Samuel, Samuel, speak, your servant is listening. Samuel doesn't get up, go check it out. He doesn't go have a conversation with Eli. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't put the pillow over his head. 
Instead, he sits up, he listens up, he pays attention. And, and he says, I, I don't just hear you, I'm listening. See, I, I think part of the way that we can know that God is speaking to you and kind of distinguish the voices that you're listening to is like, if you're stressed or you keep hitting the same wall over and over and over again, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it's because we're listening to our voice and not to his. See, we, we always hear in our culture that you should follow your heart and trust your gut and listen to yourself. And maybe there's times where that's true. But most of our unhappiness and certainly all of the mess in our lives almost always comes from listening to ourselves. Why? Because you will lie to you. You will tell yourself things that aren't true. You will trick yourself. You will talk yourself into things you don't want to do. And when we trust our voice and when we trust our compass, we keep going down the same old paths, running into the same old obstacles over and over and over again. But when God speaks, he leads us into life, into new and different ways of experiencing him, of how to live, of what it means to be a human created in the image of God. I think one of the interesting things about the story of Samuel is that God's voice is so foreign to people who are so religious, so foreign to people who claim to know him, that, that God was speaking, but none of the priests could hear him. See, this, I think, brings up maybe the most uncomfortable part of this conversation, is that when God speaks, like you're never obligated to obey. He's just inviting you and giving you the opportunity to follow him and to trust him. Well, God, I don't necessarily want to do that. I don't know. I don't like that. I don't want to go that way. Why would you? I don't know if you're paying attention, but that's not where, right? And you, you can, you're not obligated to follow. You're not obligated to obey. You can actually resist. But what we actually see in the scriptures is that when we don't respond to his voice, that Jesus actually tells us that it hardens our hearts and it actually makes our ears dull of hearing. And there actually comes a time where you stop hearing God's voice altogether and ultimately maybe even start believing that God just doesn't speak at all. And then the only voices that will remain are those of the thief, the one who wants to steal from you, to kill you and destroy your life. But, but if, if you will learn to hear God's voice and begin to internalize it and begin following him, if you will lean into him, you will live. I, I know a conversation about God's voice and listening to him can be confusing. And we have a lot of conversations around here on Sundays that are practical and super helpful and tools that you can take and you can put stuff into practice on Monday, the things that you're learning on Sunday and and I know like a conversation like this is, feel, can feel elusive and kind of mystical even, but I, I just couldn't see how we could possibly talk for four weeks about listening and not talk about the most important voice that any of us could hear. So what does God's voice sound like? Admittedly, I think this is hard and can be tricky because most of the time for me, his voice sounds like my voice. 
And if I'm being really honest, sometimes when I'm doing stupid stuff, the Holy Spirit's voice sounds a lot like my wife's voice. I don't know if I would do, I don't know if I'd do that. Like, mm. <clears throat> I mean, there, there are so many voices in our heads and it's crowded and sometimes they're just loud and other times it's like an angry mob. And, and, and what happens so often is that we allow those voices to become us. And, and so if I'm being honest, sometimes it's really hard to hear God's voice, not because of God, because of me. And, and maybe you can relate to that, but, but here's what I've discovered. And maybe this is a great point for you to be able to start is that sometimes when I want to give up there's a little voice that says nah you got this you can do this I'll help you like have you ever been filled with despair but there's a voice inside you that says no don't give up there's hope like we we all have had that experience we all have those voices inside of us that say that, that say that you're not worthy of love, but then there's that voice that speaks that says, no, you are the object of love. Ever had that voice in your head that disagrees with you? And it's a little confusing, right? How did it get there? Because it's still you. And you feel kind of crazy because you're arguing both sides and you're just like, ah, it feels like two different people. How can that voice argue with me when it's me? We were pastoring in... Northern California, <clears throat> there was a guy that came on and off to our church and just really went through a bunch of stuff. And I remember sitting down with him and having a conversation with him. And he was just, man, I'm just not sure God's real anymore. I just, I, don't, I just don't, I don't. He went through all of this stuff and all of these intellectual reasons and laid out his case and challenged. I just, and I, I just looked at him and I said, yeah, but isn't there a voice inside of you that keeps saying there is a God? There is a God. There is a God. He hasn't abandoned you. He's for you. He's closer than you. Isn't, it, isn't there that voice that's still there? And he's like, yeah, it drives me crazy. Because I don't, I don't think there's a God. But that voice won't shut up. I was like, dude, that's because that's God speaking to you. The voice of hope and love and life speaking to you is God. Persistently pushing back against your doubt and your fear and your despair and your hopelessness. Silencing all of the voices that want to steal life from you. And being the one voice that gives life to you that calls you not to an easier life, but to a better one. See, maybe if, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe the best takeaway, the best place for us to land is that we would move into this week and into this conversation determined that we're gonna stop saying things to ourselves that Jesus would never say to us. I'm going to pray for us in a moment. If you are new to all of this, if you're not a person of faith, the best place to start is in opening your heart to the possibility that God is speaking to you.
And so before we pray for all of us, I wanted to end this way, which is a little different than we normally end. But I just wanna pause. We're all gonna just bow our heads together. We're not gonna do anything weird. I'm gonna be quiet. And I just want you in the quietness of this moment for us to just do what Samuel did and just say, God, would you speak to me? Your servant is listening. Let me hear your voice speak. I'm listening right now. So would you bow your head? Close your eyes. I'm gonna be quiet. And you just invite God to speak to you.